Tackling your business's finance to-dos can be daunting enough without being slowed down by QuickBooks. More like slow books. NetSuite by Oracle is the number one financial system, no matter how big your business grows. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, e-commerce, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow. All in one place. Special financing is back. NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program only for those ready to switch today. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite right now. That's NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Welcome, everyone, to episode number 27 of the Profitology Podcast with my special guest, Steve Olsher. Welcome to the Profitology Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly O'Neill. Profitpreneurs are rewriting the rules for entrepreneurial business success in how they operate and scale their businesses, make more money, and design their businesses to give them more unplugged time in the process. Each week, join me for insightful and candid interviews with the most brilliant business minds, celebrity influencers, and fellow profitpreneurs who are disrupting the status quo and are going to leave you inspired to rewrite the rules in your own business. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. I want to welcome you back to another episode of the Profitology Podcast. As you are listening to this episode, we are actually out at our Plan for Profit workshop, serving entrepreneurs around the world to help them create their strategic plans for 2020. However, I wanted to make sure that I left you with this episode before I uh, left doing that. And today I thought on actually a good friend of mine, Steve Olsher. I've known him for several, several years. Steve's actually known as the world's foremost reinvention expert. And what he's really become famous for is helping people become exceptionally clear on their what. That is the one thing that they were created to do. He's been an entrepreneur for 25 years. He was the chairman and the founder of liquor.com which was an online pioneer, right? He launched this on CompuSurf, if you guys remember that, their electronic mall in 1993. And he went on to then become a New York Times bestseller and author of What Is Your What? Discovering the One Amazing Thing That You Were Born to Do. He's up to a whole bevy of things now in the new media world. He hosts something called the New Media Summit. And he is also launching a brand new magazine called Podcast Magazine. So this is going to be a great interview for you guys to listen to in regards to really paring down and becoming clear on the value that you offer to the world and developing strategy around that thing that not only creates profit in your business, but also helps you to be really strategic about what it is that you're focusing on. And if you're interested in utilizing new media, which a majority of the people that I work with do want to get involved in it in some way, he's talking a little bit about how to be successful in this new media realm and also what's causing people to fail. So we've got a great episode chimed up for you. Please go ahead and listen. And if you like what you hear, leave us a nice review and let us know your thoughts. That's how we reach more people in the world. All right, everyone, uh, here we go. Another episode of the Profitology Podcast. Hey, everyone, welcome back to the Profitology Podcast. As I mentioned, I am here today with my dear friend, Mr. Steve Olsher, and we are going to be talking about the art of reinvention. Welcome, Mr. Olsher. How are you doing today? I am awesome. Thanks for having me. 
I am so, Steve and I have a history that goes way, way back. How long ago did we meet each other? It's got to be like six or seven years now, right? Six or seven years. I know that you had come off of your liquor.com deal mm. and you have reinvented yourself a few times since I've known you. Uh, yeah. so, so tell us, what is the art of reinvention? Good question. Uh, you know, to me, reinventing who you are and reinvention in itself is less about adding things onto your life so much as it's more about kind of subtracting the agendas and characteristics and all the expectations and all the crap that people have thrown on you throughout your entire life and really just getting back more to the essence of who you truly are. So again, I just think about it in terms of simplicity versus complexity. I love that. I think that's so important because what I have found with my clients is people are just feeling so inundated nowadays and everything is feeling so much, mm. you know, between the emails and the social media accounts and, you know, all the online things, not even to add in, you know, the things that we actually have going on in our lives outside of our businesses. Mm. But I think that, that what I have found is that people just it's like they keep adding and they keep adding and they keep adding but oftentimes less is more wouldn't you agree i would totally agree and you know i, I say that being just a complete hypocrite but yes i would completely agree with that <laughs> but no i mean look the reality is if you think about all of the demands that a person typically has on their time i mean we just have a finite amount of time right? I mean, it's friends, family, anything that you want to do from a hobby perspective. I mean, just when you start thinking about that and everything else you throw on top of that in terms of business and like you said, social media, maybe you're doing podcasting, maybe you're doing live events, maybe you're doing social media and so on. I just added WhatsApp to the mix, you know, and it's like, now I got to check that thing every 30 minutes or whatever it is. Right. But I know. So, you know, but yeah, I completely agree from the standpoint of what I have found is that, so for me, and yes, I've reinvented my life several times since, and when I say reinvented my life, I'm really just talking about business. I mean, I've been married to the same woman now for 22 odd years and so on, but just doing different things from a business perspective. And I almost, I guess for lack of a better term, I sort of fought what I was not wanting to pigeonhole myself as and only recently when I started saying, you know what, fine, I am actually going to be the podcast guy. I'm going to put myself into that conversation and really focus on how I can people either start their own shows or get booked on shows or get featured in our, in our new magazine, et cetera, et cetera. But really just saying, fine, I'm going to focus on that being the primary hook in terms of how I'm seen in the public eye, in the business eye, et cetera. And honestly, my business has skyrocketed since I made that pivot, even just a couple short years ago. I love that. So talk about, so talk about, I mean, when you got started in business, you founded this amazing little company called liquor.com, which was obviously huge. I mean, you know, for those of you who are listening, you do not have to be an internet marketing expert to figure out why someone who owns a company called liquor.com would be successful. But tell me a little bit about the transition and reinvention out of that. Yeah, so it is a really long story, right? I mean, we started out as a catalog company back in 1991. And that company, which was originally called Liquor by Wire, provided worldwide gift delivery of wine and champagne, spirits, gift baskets through local retailers. So much like FTD operates for flowers, that's how Liquor by Wire operated for wine, champagne, spirits, etc. So when CompuServe came along in around 93 or so, 
we said, you know what, this, this is a pretty interesting opportunity to do more than just a catalog. So we were really, really early on in the online space. We launched a store on CompuServe's Electronic Mall in, in 1993 that became a fully functional e-commerce site when we launched that in 95. And then in 98, we shifted from Liquor by Wire to Liquor.com when we bought that domain. So yeah, it's been an interesting trek. We had the S1 filed ready to go public in March of 2000. And of course, everything imploded. And that's a whole other story. But reality is I walked away from everything that I had spent almost a decade building, including the domain. And several years later, around 2005, 2006, I ended up reclaiming the domain. And again, really long story. But when I lost the domain, it became clear to me that I just didn't really have any love for the liquor business per se. I'm just not, I'm not a big drinker. You know, I'll have a, a drink every now and again, but it just really, it speaks to the conversation around, are you doing something simply because you see a commodity oriented opportunity where there is a widget and people need this widget and you feel like I can create this widget and I can make money off of this and doing something that really puts fire in your soul. And for me, for a long time, I try to convince myself that I had fire for that industry, that I actually wanted to be in that industry. But reality is I didn't. It just, I never really had the fire for the beverage alcohol industry. And I tried to convince myself for years that I did. And so when I lost the domain and we couldn't go public in the whole nine, that was the wake up call to saying, you know what, I really need to do something that puts more fire on my soul. So let's talk about that for a second, because I do believe that our our journeys as business owners and entrepreneurs are an evolutionary process. Talk a little bit about that, that defining moment for you, because I think this is a place where, you know, people will make oftentimes fear-based decisions to keep things in their lives that no longer serve them, as opposed to making the decision to just let them go. So talk about that defining moment when you were like, that's it, I need to pivot. Yeah, you know, and so don't get me wrong here. I mean, there are two different sides of the coin, right? I mean, you can do something simply because it's a lucrative opportunity, right? I mean, look at the name of the show, right? I mean, it's, you need to, if you're a business owner, you need to generate profit, right? You got to have money coming in. And in a lot of cases, people do what they do from nine to five, or I guess if you're a entrepreneur nowadays, it's nine to whatever. But, you know, the point being, you do what you do so that you can generate that money, you can generate that income. So then you can go ahead and live the life that you want to live and do the things that you want to do. So I don't, I'm not knocking that at all. I'm certainly not saying that people shouldn't have a business that is built around a particular widget, building a better mousetrap, et cetera, et cetera. It's just for me personally, I realized that the two don't have to be mutually exclusive. I, I realized in, in that moment that there's got to be a way to be able to do something that makes me want to jump out of bed every morning that does put fire in my soul and can fulfill. And again, just understand here, Kelly, there's a very big difference between having what you want versus having what it is that you actually need. And part of that transition, part of that process of moving into this world that I'm in now is gaining that clarity. You know, maybe it's wisdom, maybe it's maturity, whatever it is, but gaining that clarity that I'm not one of those people with a huge list of wants. So I don't need to be rolling in the McLaren. I don't need to have the Bugattis, you know, and all this stuff. You know, I just love having a, a nice place to live. I don't have a mortgage. I've been married, like I said, for 20 odd plus years, you know, got the kids and we have everything that we need. 
And once you have that clarity around what it is that you need versus what it is that you think that you want, that also frees you up to then recognize that maybe what it is that I can be doing from a business perspective, from a profit perspective, et cetera, may not necessarily reflect what it is that I thought that I needed to be doing because I'm working for something that I want, which is just sort of this illusionary place that we reach and we think happiness is going to be there versus finding true happiness and relishing what it is that we actually need and already have. I know you guys cannot see me right now, but Steve can, and I am nodding my head because this is exactly why I created the Profitology process. Because in that process, we start with clarity. I am, a bit, I am so in alignment with what you're saying. Um, I am a big believer that your business should be working for you. But if you are not clear on what it is that you really want, and I kind of had the same epiphany you did back in, it started in about 2012. And then it, and then it really, I had my huge aha in 2015 where, you know, I used to think that, you know, and especially with, with a lot of the people that I used to kind of roll around with, Mm. I used to think that the things that I wanted were the huge mansion and the, you know, nine cars and the staff. And I was like, no, you know what? Like, that's not really what I want. I love my house. I love not working 90 hours a week. I, in fact, actually... My goal is to work 30 hours a week or less mm. doing what I love exclusively. Yeah. That's, you know, and, and that's really what we're, we're teaching people. So I love that you are, are reframing that. Yeah. And, so, and to that end, if I may, I, let me just simply say that what I have found is that you really don't have to do nearly as many things as you think that you need to do in terms of creating the lifestyle that you want. Like for instance, with podcasting as an example here, the phrase that I use and and what I teach is that I have the number of downloads that I need to support the lifestyle that I want. Right. And so we don't need to have this huge show, which has millions of downloads per episode in order to support the lifestyle that I actually want. Right. And so Part of this whole process then is really figuring out the one or two key products, programs, or services to really focus on. And what I have found is that for so many people, especially as we move towards this gig economy and I'm teaching you how to do something, you're teaching me how to do something. And, you know, it just becomes this exchange of knowledge and information that if you just have one or two really core solid offerings, and you focus on and on inviting people and enrolling people into those core offerings, you'd be surprised at how quickly that can add up to some pretty serious revenue. I could not agree more. I could not agree more. You know, one of the things that I say often is strategy is the new hustle, mm. right? Like the, the days of strategy are gone and you are never going to hustle a shitty strategy and you are never going to out-strategize a misaligned mindset. So if you don't have those things in order, it, you're right. It's not about doing all the things. It's about doing the right thing. Yeah. So, you know, and I want to kind of transition into, so, you know, you've, you've transitioned over the years. And you, you've actually got, which I would love for you at the end to share your information about, but you've really gotten into the realm of new media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so much so that I've always looked at radio as kind of the holy grail. 
And for me, going way back when as a DJ who DJed on radio and, and owned my own nightclub and the whole nine, I mean, I've always just had this love for radio and, and music and the whole nine. And so I've been an audio fanatic for a long time and became very interested in podcasting back in the late 2000s. So we actually released our first episode of Reinvention Radio in 2009. So did a little on, a little off over the years, but have been on now since 2015 with that. And then we launched a, another show, Beyond Eight Figures, a couple years back now. But for me, new media really is, it satisfies my need to be able to reach people that I'm most compelled to serve in the most cost-effective and time-efficient manner possible. And what I really love about new media more than anything else is it levels the playing field. You know, it is one of the few opportunities today. And really, if we go back even over the last hundred years, I mean, it's really one of the few opportunities that allows average mere mortals who don't have a significant pocketbook and bank account to lean on or a significant platform in, you know, like you can look at folks who have big followings on one platform and then move them to another platform. If you don't have that, the world of, of new media and specifically podcasting, it's, I'm not going to say it's completely irrelevant, but at least you have a shot. At least you have a shot of being found. At least you have a shot of being significant. And certainly today, more so than ever, the more niche that you are, the more success you're going to find in attracting your most ideal clients and prospects. And so that in terms of being able to reach people who are literally praying for you to show up in their lives and are searching for you, that medium and the power of podcasting specifically through new media, that's a fairly new phenomenon where you sitting in your bedroom can release and you know just push a button, click a mouse, whatever, and reach almost anyone, almost anywhere and almost any time on the planet. And it's, it's just such a cool phenomenon that I've gone all in on because it, it really gives voice to the voiceless. I love that. And, you know, I, I think that there's a big difference, though, between podcasts that succeed and podcasts that fail. So, and I think it actually goes back to what we were talking about before with that whole reinvention and that clarity and really understanding not only what you want in your, in your life, but then also being very strategic about your business and your business message, right? Because if you try to be all things to all people, you end up being no one to anyone, yeah. right? What do you think makes the difference between new media ventures that succeed and those that fail? Yeah. And it's a great question too, because there are so many people jumping into the podcasting landscape right now, the new media landscape. I mean, you can look at the numbers where at the beginning of 2018, there were about five odd hundred thousand podcasts. By the end of 2019, there'll be close to 730,000 podcasts. So pales in comparison to the number of websites. I mean, you got billions of sites, blogs, et cetera, right? Pales in comparison to that. But nevertheless, that's 50% growth in almost year over year, right? So the number of people jumping into the space and the number of people jumping into the space with really deep pockets is frightening. If you're a podcaster who, you know, is either looking to get into the space and you haven't yet launched, or you're kind of a smaller fish in this game and you get buried in the chart and never to be found again. I mean, if you look at the charts now, it's crazy. They're dominated by Trevor Noah's, by the NPR's, by the ESPN's, by the, I mean, you name it, but becoming much more difficult now 
for someone who doesn't have those huge deep pockets. And as I said, an additional platform elsewhere to drive people to, to your show to be found. Right. And so one of the things that I am a firm believer in is we got to stop trying and talking about success versus failure as far as this, you know, this industry is concerned. One of the things that we have to start looking at and, and really try to stop doing as new podcasters jumping into this new media landscape here is trying to compete with those bigger fellas, those bigger girls. You're just, you know, I mean, it's just never going to happen. I mean, there's, let's be honest here. You're not going to beat Will Ferrell. When Will Ferrell launched season two of the Ron Burgundy podcast, he showed up on Colbert, on Jimmy Fallon, and on Jimmy Kimmel on the same night. Flew coast to coast and did it on the same. I mean, come on. You can't compete with that. And that was for season two of the Ron Burgundy. What? what? You, don't, you don't have those contacts? I mean, like, I just got lucky. And so, you know, what I'm a big believer in, and you talk about success versus failure, what I'm a big believer in, and what I teach quite extensively, is that everything starts with the offer. Right. So if you can just remember those five words, everything starts with the offer. It will help you understand why you do what you do and the best way to make that happen. So in other words, if you're starting a podcast, you start a podcast, not from the standpoint of I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to you know, put this out and millions of people are going to find me. You do it with the intention of leading people towards whatever the most relevant offer is that naturally leads the listener from not being familiar with who you are to becoming familiar with who you are, to liking who you are, to then wanting to come into your respective ecosystem, right? And so for me today, the winning formula is what I call the new media trifecta, which is where the brand, the podcast, and an online course are all aligned and ideally of the same name. So let me give you an example. So we're launching a show called Closing from the Stage. And one of the things that I have done over the years is I've spoken on lots of stages and sold millions of dollars from the stage, move people to the back of the room to enroll in relevant product program services, offers, et cetera. And so there has been requests over the years of people just, you know, saying to me, Steve, can you show me how you do that? What do you do? How do you do it? So we created a course called Closing from the Stage. Okay. We are releasing a podcast called Closing from the Stage. Well, the brand in this case, obviously, is Closing from the Stage. Who do you think is going to tune into a podcast called Closing from the Stage? You know, I mean, obviously. People that want to close from the stage. Exactly. Right. So, yes, it's literal. Yes, it's the most boring name in the whole wide world. But it says who we are and what we do. Right. We've got a client who just released a show called The Profitable Photographer. Okay, great. Who's going to tune into a show called The Profitable Photographer? Well, exactly. Right. I mean, it's a photographer who wants to make money with their practice. And so... You talk about target, you talk about niche, you talk about really being able to attract your most ideal client, your most ideal prospect. What do you think the name of her online course is, is going to be here, right? I mean, obviously, it's the profitable photographer. So to me today, that's the difference between success and failure is it's a show that's not based, Kelly, on the number of downloads, but it's based on the quality of the listeners that you attract. And that's the biggest difference. I totally agree. And I think that, you know, I, I think another thing that gets missed, and this is, again, when we, when we talk back to the prosthology process of why we need clarity and why we need strategy before we start going out and doing these things. Yeah. You know, when I started my, my podcast, it was not like, oh, you know what? Everyone has a podcast. I think I'll do one. It was, a, it was the same thing. It was, what's the specific strategy? And even the types of guests that we have on this particular podcast versus my new podcast, 
Marketing the Millionaires that's going to be launching in 2020, which, by the way, guess what? Marketing the Millionaires, guess what we have? <laughs> People that want to market the millionaires, and guess what we have? We have a program called Marketing the Millionaires. Super right? I know. You know, shocking, right? And, but I do think that people don't, they don't, um, they don't think about the strategy and they just start doing stuff. And then, you know, it's just, it then becomes just another thing that you're doing that's not actually generating the results that you desire. Yeah. And, and look, let's be honest, right? There's opportunity cost. And when you start going down the path of doing something simply because A, you see other people doing it or, or B, you think it is a, a good idea, you have to take into, into consideration the opportunity cost of the time, energy, and resources that you're devoting towards that, you know, that you just sort of grasp at straws. I mean, you know, let's take a flyer here and let's see what happens. So what are you giving up in order to do that? And, and that's a question that I don't think a lot of entrepreneurs spend enough time asking is, is what am I giving up in order to do whatever that other initiative is? I love that. I love that. Uh, Mr. Olsher, this has been a phenomenal time talking uh, to you. So if people are interested in learning more about reinvention, if they're interested in learning more about really strategically starting podcasts, where is the best place for them to find out and connect with you? Yeah. You know, so a couple of very different paths that we've taken here on the conversation. I did put a book on the New York Times list called What Is Your What? Discover the One Amazing Thing You Were Born to Do, which really helps people figure out how to reinvent their life and understand how they're naturally wired to excel. I mean, I'd love for folks to grab that at whatisyourwhat.com. We give the whole book away for free. And then, you know, on the, on the other side, on the new media front, we're launching podcast magazine here and super exciting for us because we get to sit down with folks that we admire and go really deep into the world of podcasts and podcast cultures and even beyond the microphone in terms of the stories that fans love, right? So if you're interested in the world of podcasting, I'd say maybe subscribe to podcast magazine at podcastmagazine.com. It's free. Awesome. I love it. And you guys, as always, all of the information about Steve and his ventures and all of the links to his books and podcasts will be up on our show notes. So Steve, thanks so much for joining us today. Really great topic. It's so thrilling to talk to people that are in alignment with what we are teaching here. So I'm thrilled to have you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right, guys, until next time, thanks for listening to another episode of the Profitology Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Profitology Podcast. If you did, please share this show with someone that you know and help spread the word to your followers on social media. This is how we reach more entrepreneurs just like you around the world. Also, I'd like to continue the conversation with you about all things Profitology. So please join me and your fellow Profitpreneurs in our free Facebook group. You can find us at ProfitpreneurCircle.com. I frequently go live in our community to share tips, trainings, and innovative profit acceleration strategies, as well as resources that can help you accelerate your results in your business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.